It's very sad to watch someone give up on life. Sad to watch somebody forsake their dreams, to abandon their future, to settle for emptiness and misery when they had so much. They were headed in such a good direction and they were on their way to seeing God do big things in their life. And then it just seems like all of a sudden they give up. Some people give up intentionally and abruptly. Some people give up more gradually and subconsciously where they're not even aware they're giving up, but they are. And while it's true that other people can influence you to give up on yourself, friends or losers can influence you to give up on yourself, the pop culture can influence you to give up on yourself. The philosophies of this world, they can all influence you to give up on yourself. But the fact is, you don't give up on your life until you choose to give up on your life. Nobody can make you do it. People give up on a lot of things. People give up on their life's goals. They give up on their plans. They give up on their dreams. People give up on their marriage. People give up on their children. People give up on their own dignity and self-respect. They give up on their education. They give up on their future. They give up on love. They give up on life itself. They give up on God's purpose for their lives. People give up in many different ways. Some give up by settling for less than God's best. They surrendered and yielded for many years to, and said, Lord, what is your best for my life? And then all of a sudden, they bam, they settle. Something comes along and they say, you know what, forget about God's best. I'm just going to stop right here. Some work themselves into depression. Now, hear me carefully. I'm not saying that all depression is because people give up. But you know good and well a lot of it is. Some people giving up by completely abandoning their responsibilities. Some turn to alcohol and drugs. Some give up by denying God. Some give up by turning to a life of blame and bitterness. Some people give up by not even caring or not even trying anymore. And sadly and tragically, some people give up by taking their own lives. I want you to see something remarkable in Psalm 27, verse 13. Read that out loud with me. Ready? Psalm 27, 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, these words were penned by David. They were given under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but they were penned by David. God gave the entire Bible to us through men that he chose to be the writers. There were about 40 men that God used to be the writers of the Bible. And these men penned these words, and very often the words they were, in fact, I would say most often, the words that they wrote, were reflected in their lives. God didn't just have secretaries. He had people that whose lives fit hand in glove with what they were writing. And that's the way God works. God uses people to uh, willing people and 
then again, if they're rebellious people, he uses unwilling people, but uh, to accomplish his purposes. And God used 40 willing men to pen his word. So it's accurate to say God is the author of the entire Bible. It's also accurate to say that so-and-so penned these words. They came from his heart, and they may or may not have been aware that they were coming from God, I believe. So these words were penned by David. David, the man after God's own heart. The man who was famous for killing the giant Goliath with a slingshot. Let me stop and say this before I tell you more about David. We're talking about a man who is not just well known to people who know and love and believe the Bible. We're talking about a man whose legacy in the world is alive and well today. When you see them do a news story on the nation of Israel, and you see that white flag with the blue star, that blue star is called the star of what? David. His legacy is alive and well today. We're talking about somebody who impacted the world 3,500 years ago and who can, whose legacy continues to impact the world. That's who we're talking about here. That's the man who penned these words. God's choice to be the king of Israel. He wrote those words. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're talking about the greatest king that Israel ever had, and some would argue the greatest king ever to rule anywhere. We're talking about the prominent, one of the two most prominent ancestors of Jesus Christ, the other most prominent being Abraham. He wrote these words. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of of the living. Now listen carefully. Those first three words, I had fainted. You know what they mean? They mean I almost gave up. David said, I have a confession to make. At this point in my life that I am describing where the enemies rose up against me, and it was so fierce, I almost gave up. What a confession. I mean, he's telling us, I almost gave up on being the king. I almost gave up on writing the Psalms that have been a blessing to so many people, like, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Or words like, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, uh, making wise is simple. Words like, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. I almost gave up. I'm being used by God to write these words. Now, it's very likely that when he said, when he wrote, I had fainted, I almost gave up, that he had already killed Goliath. But let's be honest. If David gave up on God after he killed Goliath, that story would not be the worldwide legacy that it is today 
it might be in there with some myths and legends, but do you realize how prominent a story that is? Try watching any kind of sportscast or newscast. See if a week can go by without some reference to a David and Goliath situation. Just pay attention in life in general and see how much you hear that, I don't know if metaphor is the word there, but uh, that comparison used, oh, this is a David and Goliath situation. Everybody knows what that means. Do you really think that legacy would be intact? If David had given up on God after he killed Goliath, I don't think it would. But I know this. All the other things that David accomplished in his life, including the star of David that I referenced a minute ago, would not be intact if David had given up. David said, I almost gave up. I had fainted. I almost gave up, but I didn't. The next word, unless. I had fainted unless. That word unless introduces the difference between those who almost give up and those who do give up. The difference between David almost giving up and David giving up was in what David already believed. I had fainted unless I had what? Believed. The difference between David giving up and David almost giving up is in what David already believed when he faced this crisis. Listen carefully. People don't give up because they find a reason to give up. People give up because when they're tempted to give up, they have no reason not to. Now, it doesn't really mean anything to me. Okay, keep listening. Maybe it will. People don't give up because of the sudden presence of a negative. A crisis comes along. Something terrible happens, and therefore they give up. That may be the time that they give up. That may be what triggers them giving up, but that's not why they give up. People give up because of the absence of a positive. When the crisis came, they had nothing to grab onto. And so they felt hopeless, they felt despair, and they gave up. The crisis doesn't make you quit. The crisis simply reveals whether or not you've been building up your faith in God. I remind you, when David faced this great crisis that he describes in Psalm 27, the difference between whether or not he gave up was in what he believed. His faith. You take any crisis that you can name, And you can find people who faced that crisis and gave up. But you can find other people who faced that crisis and endured. And the difference is in what they believed going in.
So, if you don't want to be upon, on the scrap heap of failure, then you need to focus on what you believe. There's not a crisis that can make you give up as long as what you believe is strong and in place going in. I don't think there's a greater heartbreak in all of life than to lose a child. And I've seen people that have lost children and it devastated them. It got them off course for the rest of their, they crawled into a bottle. I knew a a fellow one time, a very, very good guy. But uh, he he had been a man of, of talent, a man of skill. He was a man who could do things. But his daughter died. And his life completely got off track. He became a drunk, drug pusher, homeless, jobless, all kinds of things. But... On the other hand, it was five years ago next month that I got the phone call that one of my very best friends, that their daughter passed away. She was 16, 15, 16 years old. Amanda's best friend passed away from the flu. She got dehydrated, went to the hospital She passed away. Her parents, some of the best people I know. And I was privileged Friday night when when uh, Brother Jesse is the is is the father of the little girl passed away. And Brother Jesse found out that my wife was going to be at the ladies conference and his wife was going to be at the ladies conference. And he works there as a principal of the Christian school. And he said, uh, Hey, why don't you come over and we'll get some pizza and, and, uh, watch the Yankees and white Sox play. And, uh, sure. Yeah. I got to spend some time with brother Jesse on Friday. And you know what? He's going on strong for the Lord. They have two other children that are just thriving for the Lord. And they want to do more to live for the Lord. And, they, and, and their, their home has gotten stronger since the tragic, horrible loss of their daughter. And I've thought many times as I have considered their family my, and our dear friends, I've thought many times I, I don't think I could do as well as they're doing. But let me tell you something. If your faith in God is strong, when you face the crisis you can get through. You can endure. You don't have to give up. Oh, I don't want to see a single one of you give up on God's best for your life. I don't want to see a single one of you give up on God because a crisis came and your faith wasn't what it should be. I had fainted unless I had believed to see David's reason to keep going is in what he believed. By the way, that's why we talk so much about strengthening your faith. Because there will come a day when you won't survive without a strong faith. Let me give you another example of it in the Bible. Before, Shortly before Jesus was crucified. And Peter was, was not wanting to hear about Jesus being crucified. Remember Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. And Jesus made this statement to Peter. 
Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that what? That your faith fail not. Jesus knew that there was a crisis coming in Peter's life. That the only thing that would keep Peter from giving up on it all would be what he believed in. By the way, didn't Peter come ever so close to giving up? After he denied the Lord and and then after he saw the risen Savior and who knows all that was going through Peter's mind, but then he goes back to where Jesus had originally called him, the shores of Galilee, and he goes out fishing. I mean, it just sure seems like Peter is right there on the verge of giving up. But by the grace of God, Peter's faith. And by the way, when we say Peter's faith, that's not a pat on Peter's back. That's the grace of God. Peter's faith pulled him through. And by the way, any activity of your faith is God's grace stepping in because even the faith we can't get from ourselves, we get that from God. I had fainted unless I had believed to see. Very quickly, it's going to be a couple more minutes here. What did David believe that kept him from giving up? Three things, and they're all right there in Psalm 27, 13. What did David believe that kept him from giving up? What is going to keep you from throwing in the towel when a crisis comes or when you're going through a series of hardships and setbacks and you say, you know what, I just don't know how much more of this I can take. How many times have you heard somebody say that? You don't have to respond, but how many times have you said that? And I have to tell you, I've said that very thing. I don't know how much more I can take. When the time comes when you find yourself saying, I don't know how much more I can take. The thing that's going to keep you enduring with God is what you believe. What did David believe? First of all, he believed God. He believed God. Not he believed that there was a God or... He said, yeah, 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 I believe in God. No, he believed God. David's heart was with God. And God, David knew that God was with David. He believed God. He was not focused on his circumstances, even though they were falling down on in him, uh, in on him. He wasn't focused on his circumstances. He was focused on God. Sometimes when the circumstances are crashing down on you and you say, I'm just going to trust the Lord. I believe God. Even then you'll feel to yourself, wow, I'm just being way too spiritual about this thing. I need to look at the circumstances. I need to address the circumstances that's just one more live Satan saying, oh, yeah, you just, hey, this isn't time for religion. This is time for real life. No, David, David said, I, I believe God. You read David's story and see how many times it seemed like it was all going to, it was all coming, crashing down on him. You realize David was a fugitive from the king 
for most of his 20s. There were several times where the king himself tried to kill David. These times when it just seemed like all that David had dreamed of, all that he had trusted God for, it was all falling apart. David said, I believe God. Hey, how's your believe God level this morning? Well, where's your believe God gauge? Is it about on E or is it on full? Say, well, how do I increase my believe God level? And and this is just a side note, but I would write these. I'm going to give you five things. You can write them down. If you'll live in these things, it'll fill your tank on believing God. Number one, by filling your life with God's word. Now, I didn't say just, just reading your devotional in the morning or reading your three chapters and putting a check. No, filling your life with God's word. I'm talking about memorization. I'm talking about meditation. I'm talking about study. I'm talking about letting the word of God fill your mind and heart. Listen, we are way too weak as believers. <clears throat> To be victorious. And the reason, one reason we're way too weak is because we are Bible weak. It's going to sound prideful to you. I'm just, I'm just telling you. You might be surprised at how often I have people tell me, I can't believe how well you know the Bible. Good Christians. And my, I don't say it, but I think to myself, I can't believe how You don't know the Bible. I don't learn the Bible to be a scholar. In fact, I don't think I know the Bible all that well. But I can tell you this, since I was about 14 years old, I have been filling my mind and my heart with Scripture, and I don't think I would have survived any other way. You want to increase your belief, God level, fill your life with God's Word. Secondly, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Number three, praise God constantly. Number four, be strengthened by God's people. We can't make it without one another. Once again, we've got this this, uh, academic concept of what it means to go to church. I'm going to go to church so I'll be a good boy. I'm going to go to church so God will bless me. I'm going to go to church so I don't get in trouble with God. I don't know where that comes from, but that's nonsense. I go to church because I need what, what's here. Uh, Wednesday, just like we drove all day yesterday, we drove 12 hours on Wednesday. And the, you you ask anybody who rides with me this is this is just who i am we got to our destination and listen i just wanted i wanted to do a face plant in the pillow when we got where we were going but it was wednesday so i took off my driving clothes and i put on a suit and tie we went to church wednesday night now i'm just being honest with you i didn't want to be seen i didn't want to talk to anybody I just, you know, but you know what? I knew that I needed what they had there Wednesday night. 
Not because they're a special church. They are a special church, but not because they're a special church, but because God gave us the assembly of his people to strengthen us. And everything that goes on there strengthens our faith. And so I need to be there. So sick and tired of this maverick Christianity that says, I'll just go out of my boat and I'll meet God there. There's nothing about going. In fact, when Peter went out on his boat, Jesus said, get in here. By being strengthened by God's people. Well, you guys with boats, that's not... I want to be on your boat with you, Kevin, all right? I want to go out there. I'm not slamming you guys with boats. But Kevin's not on his boat this morning. He's in church. That's what I'm talking about. Number five, by investing in eternity. You invest in eternity. That'll, that'll, that'll increase your belief, God, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How do you increase your believe God level? I'm just reviewing this, and then I'll give you the last point. The last two points will be done. By filling your life with God's word, by praying about everything, by praising God constantly, by being strengthened by God's people, and by investing in eternity. All right, so what did David believe that kept him from giving up? He believed God. Number two, he believed in God's goodness. David believed that the goodness of God was his guarantee that this crisis would not destroy him. Victory is on the way. Why? Because God is good. God is good. God's goodness will not let his child crash and burn. God's goodness will not lead me from a good place to a bad place, or at least not to stay there. Hey, I've been in plenty of bad places. And I'm not talking about, you know, nightclubs and stuff. I'm talking about difficult places where God leads you. But he never leaves you there to stay. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God leads you there, but he leads you out. God, the spirit of God led Jesus to be tempted to the devil, but he didn't leave him there. The goodness of God is not going to leave me in a difficult place. He's going to lead me forward. Oh, I beg you, I beg you, don't give up on God when things get difficult, but make sure you believe God, believe in God's goodness. And then David also believed in the hope of life that is only found in God. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Listen. So many of the people that you envy because it seems things are so good in their lives, they are on a course that leads to death and destruction. And you're insane to envy their lives. The most obvious illustration is the celebrities that seem like they have it all until we turn on the news and hear that they've taken their own lives or they overdose. So whether it was intentional or not, they had all of this. How many times have you heard the story of a celebrity who said, when I got to where I thought I wanted to go, it was so empty. It's not life. But the land of the living, 
The land of the living represents what we all want. The peace, the contentment, the fulfillment that God wants to give us in this life. Your only hope of life is God. When you really believe that your only hope for life, for success, for victory, is the God who loves you, the God who knows you, the God who has given you his book full of promises, the God who lives inside of you, when you really believe that, you will never give up. A lot of people give up on life. Because they, even, even Christians, because they come to a crisis and they don't have a reason to endure. Their faith is weak. They have nothing to go. When you're wrapped up in the person of God, you've got to endure just so you can be with him. I don't see any future for myself. If God is your future and you love him, that's all the future you need. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Here's my my appeal to you today. Don't give up. Believe God. Don't give up. Believe God. Somebody in here, I have no doubt, is in a crisis this very day. You don't know how you're going to continue. You don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know, as we said, how much more you can take. I say to you, don't give up. Believe God. Don't give up. Believe God. Listen, young person, teenager, please. Some of you live in hopeless circumstances, impossible circumstances. And God has such a future for you. Please don't give up on it. Please don't give up on it. Some of you came into the faith of Jesus Christ later in life, and to be honest, you have you already made mistakes that you're still paying for. And I ask you, please, don't give up. Believe God. Some of you say, yeah, and I hear this, and I appreciate this, and I'm not, I'm not uh, scolding you, but, but, but some of you say to me, well, Pastor, if I could have grown up knowing what you grew up knowing, oh, things would be so much better in my life. And I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate that. Uh, or I don't mean I, like it's a compliment. I mean I can appreciate what you're saying when you say that. But listen. That doesn't make your situation hopeless. That doesn't mean that just because you got saved when you were in your 30s that you have neglected the foundation that you need to succeed. By the way, my dad got saved in his 30s. And there's not a man in this room when you look at where my dad is in life who wouldn't sign on to that if if it was offered to you. You don't, you don't have to see yourself as forfeiting life because you didn't get saved until you were 30 or 40 or older. Don't give up on life. Don't give up. Believe God. Maybe you, if you're here this morning and you're not in a crisis right now, 
Hey, Pastor, things are going pretty good. Okay, then you better work on that believe God level. Because there's a crisis coming. You know good and well, you're not going to live crisis free. There's a crisis coming that is worse than anything you can imagine. And when it comes, you need to make sure your believe God tank is full. Do you ever have to go somewhere in emergency and you hopped in the car and all of a sudden you realize, oh, man, last night I said I'll get gas in the morning. Fill up at night. (laughs) And I'm telling you, don't wait to the crisis to to fill up your believe God tank. Work on your faith tank every day. Let's bow our heads for a moment. We're on the early side.